Amen to that. It is interesting, you know, he, he picked that song before we learned yesterday that, that Gerald had passed. And even also before we learned those things, I wrote the first line of, of my message for you today, which is found in Romans chapter 10. And I asked this question, do you ever stop to consider how you will be remembered? And it has been a, a blessing to, to see as, as Joe's kind words for Gerald that, that went on social media, um, that we shared to the church page and, and many others and the comments that were left on, on Gerald's kids and family members' uh, posts of how everybody remembered Gerald. And some things that, that often jumped out about Gerald when, when people remembered him was his warm smile. And his, and his patience, um, maybe because as he sat in the back where little ones also were congregated and, and his, and make no mistake, knowing Gerald and, and having many conversations with Gerald in private, um, he liked it. Um, he liked that they were your kids and not his, uh, and, uh, but he liked to have kids in church. That was something important to him. Um, he made people feel welcome. There's no question about his passion for God. And, and really, um, he had a deep, deep concern for this church and its integrity to the word. And, and that passion would come out. Um, sometimes it came out as anger and, uh, and it was a, a good thing because he, would, he knew what we should be doing. And he was going to make sure that that, we, that, that was heard and, and that we were getting our lives on track. We think about our own lives and, and we might ask ourselves the question, what will we be remembered for? And I'm not necessarily talking about fame and fortune. I know that, that, that many of us may have hopes and aspirations of, of, of being someone famous. I'm sure as, as, as you have grown older, you, th those desires kind of fade, not necessarily because maybe you are come to the conclusion that you won't be famous because you never know but more of just the reality that um, it's not as big a deal. But we do have concern about how we are remembered, about how people will think about us when we are gone. How will our family remember us, our children and our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews, our brothers and sisters? How will our friends remember us? What stories do you want told maybe at your funeral or what stories would you really prefer that they left out? Even your coworkers, when you have just even gone on to another job or another company, how will they remember you? Will they remember your talents? Maybe it was your ability to sing or play an instrument. Maybe it is your ability to create art and, and, and the things that you have, have done and the beauty that you have brought into the world. Will they remember your humor or your charm? how you were able to light up a room and get people laughing. You could take someone that might be in a bad mood and, and through either your goofiness or your, your care could bring a smile to their face. Will they remember your passion? That there was some cause or movement that you pursued with all your heart and called others to rally to that thing. Or maybe your relentlessness and your work ethic. 
and how because of your great passion, you saw things through to the end, no matter the obstacles. I think when it's all said and done, we will be surprised what people remember about us. We have no control over who lives and who dies and who tells our story. What about us collectively? How do you think Tunnel Hill Baptist Church will be remembered in the lives of others? Have you ever thought about the question, if this church were for some reason had to shut its doors tomorrow, what would the neighborhood say? What would they think? What would they remember? Will we be remembered for our vacation Bible schools? Of our amazing stages, our funny skits, our great music and dance, and our over-the-top fantastic decorations? Will we be remembered for our fellowships, the food and the service, and the ways that we could step in and and, and care and, and bring comfort and fill bellies of people even when they are grieving? Will we be remembered for our programs? Youth ministry and children's ministries, choirs, and all the other ways that we have touched lives in the area around us and in our community. As we take this month and as we zoom in on our ministry and our impact in the community, as we begin to think about our world and the place where we live, we need to be clear about who we are and why we exist. If we are going to be remembered, and I pray that we are, we want to be remembered for the right things. If they remember anything, they need to remember our message. And our message is the focus of our passage today. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8, as I've already mentioned. We're going to read verse 8 going through to verse 15. Lord willing, this will be a very familiar passage to you. If you're able, please stop, rise for the reading of God's word. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says these words. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith in which we are preaching, or excuse me, yeah, that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Please be seated.
It's a very interesting uh, train of, of logic with, uh, with Paul. And, and we could almost kind of attack this passage and kind of go through it backwards. It's almost like Paul kind of gives us the punchline. He gives us the thesis at the beginning, and then he kind of works his way back from it. And so as we look at this passage, we realize that if we have a message that we need to get out, if we have something and we have information that the world needs to know, he tells us how to get that information out there. And so as we go to the kind of end of our passage and look at those last few verses, we see how there is a, a process by which the message, the word that he's talking about goes out. It starts with this. People are sent. We have to not look over these things that, that the, the church does not exist to sit, but to send. And that those in the church are not in the church to sit, but they are sent. It says the people are sent, the sent preach or proclaim and, and their proclamation is to find the ears of hearers. And Lord willing, the hearers will believe. Now, it may sound be easy for us to kind of look at this, and we're going to come into it with our context and what we already kind of think and, and understand these terms to mean. You guys almost have this disadvantage of having grown up in this Southern Baptist church mentality. And so when we hear the word preach, we automatically assume that what I'm doing right now is what this passage is talking about. And so it is very easy for us to hear a passage like this. And when it says that, that, that they are sent, the preachers are sent, they think we're talking about people like me. Trained professionals who have a unique calling on their life to go and vocationally do what I'm doing. Stand behind a pulpit or a stand or whatever and, and talk and, and say in 45 minutes what could probably easily be said in 10 that's the definition of preaching by Stan, our uh, missionary in Brazil. Uh, we don't agree on that statement. But if he's listening, he'll, he'll get a chuckle out of it. We think that they are professionals that are called to go out, to start new churches, to fill the, the pulpit in churches, and to start new ministries. Here's the interesting thing. We don't see this in Scripture anywhere. We don't see anywhere in Scripture this idea of, of the preacher that goes up and stands behind the pulpit on a Sunday morning or whatever time on a Sunday and speaks for 45 minutes and, and everybody sits and listens. It's at literally not there. And the New Testament church often did not have a building. In fact, there's no evidence of any churches having a building in the early church until probably the 100s or, or 200s A.D., Churches took place at home and they're around dining room tables and in living rooms and everybody was sitting and everybody was listening and everybody was going back and forth. In fact, if we go to the book of Acts and we say, well, okay, how did the message get out there? How was it possible that, that this, this message went from these few people in Jerusalem and suddenly spread all over? Well, let's look at the book of Acts. Chapter 8 starts with these words that on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. 
Because of that, people scattered. And then we see in verse 4 these words. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Now, I want you to hold on for just a minute. This doesn't mention the apostles. In fact, what it says is the, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, they all stayed put. They stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't go anywhere, but it was other people. Not apostles, not main characters in the gospel stories, not names that we would recognize and know, but everyday regular people who truly believed in the good news of the gospel. They went forth. They went out of necessity. They went because their life required it. And as they went, they told people the good news. If we think for a moment about your life, there are places that, that because of the life you live, you are required to go. Most of us call that work. But there's other places we're required to go, aren't there? Grocery stores, doctor's offices, the dentist, the pharmacy. And because of necessity, we get up and we go forth we leave our homes and, and we go and, and almost always that requires us to be around people. And as we look at the example that we get from Acts chapter 8, we realize that when these people had to go out, when they had to move, when they were scattered because of persecution, they went out. But as they went out, they told people this good news. The key to all of it is this. If we want people to know our message, then all of us have to be the sent. All of us have to be these preachers that Roman 10 talks about. All of us are these ones who proclaim the good news, the message that we have. These aren't my words. Jesus himself said it this way. John 20, 21 says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. I also sent you. We are not a sitting people. We are a sent people. The scriptures are abundantly clear. That the sent are not the trained professionals not the vocational ministers, not the uniquely gifted and talented to stand up in front of large crowds, but everyone who has placed their hope and their faith in Jesus. And the intention of Scripture was not that the preaching of the gospel would happen behind a pulpit on Sunday, but the preaching of the gospel would happen over coffee on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, and on Saturdays. So this is how the message is to go forth. But, but, but what is this message? And really, more importantly, why is it so important? Why does this matter? Why does it matter that we get the message out? We go back to the, the process there that he gives. He says that people are sent. The sent proclaim or, or preach that the, the proclamation finds its hearer. The hearer, Lord willing, will believe. And those who believe will call on the name of the Lord. Well, 
Why does that matter? Look specifically at verse 13, for it says this, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is why the message is so important. In fact, I would argue it is the only thing that matters. No matter how good we are, no matter how friendly, no matter how many we serve, no matter how entertaining our vacation Bible school or our youth ministry, if we do not get the message out there and do so clearly, it is for nothing. And there could be literally scores of people who love this ministry or that ministry or this activity or that activity here at Tunnel Hill Baptist Church, but because the message is not communicated, they will love those things as they merrily go on their way to hell. The apostles made this clear in Acts chapter 4 when they said, there is, no, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved. We could expand that statement out and say there is salvation in no one else for there is no ministry, there is no church, there is, is no program, there is no attitude, there is no song that exists that will save somebody apart from Jesus. That it is only by the name of Christ that people are saved. And if people spend their whole life in or near a church and they do not hear the name of Jesus and believe, then it will profit them nothing and they will still be in their sins. Please understand this. People need to hear our message. You need to hear our message. We all need to hear this message that, that should be the very heart and the cornerstone of who we are. If you ask why, it is quite simply this. This message saves. And it is the only thing that will save. So finally, what is this message? What is the thing that we are supposed to communicate? What is this thing that saves? What is this, this word or this message that we have to take out so that people will hear it and by hearing it, they will get saved. And that message is found in our passage. It is the one that, that in verse 8 says, it should be in our hearts and on our lips. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. We see first that, that we need to believe. Well, believe what? Now, if, if uh, we can, can we get the three circles up here? Is that something we can get up here? I'm gonna show you what, I, what we need to believe. There goes my wife. Sorry to put you on the spot. So what do we need to believe? 
First thing we need to believe, we need to believe that, that there is a God. That seems pretty evident, right? But not just any God, not like some vague idea that there might be a God out there in some form or some manner, but there is a God who created all things. It is the God of scripture who says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that God created those things with a design and a purpose and a plan. But we, we have departed from that design and that, that is sin. And all that means is that God created and God created things to work for a purpose, on purpose, with a purpose. And we said, no, nah, I'm going to do my own purpose. And so we left God's design to create our own design. And that's called sin. And sin always leads us to brokenness. Now, brokenness is who we are. We feel our brokenness. We know our brokenness exists because we feel like we're kind of not how we should be. And we try to fix our brokenness in all these different ways. We try to be good. We try to, to be successful. We try to put that on our family and try to be fixed through our family. We try to do all of these things, but we still feel broken. And so we needed something outside of our brokenness to fix our brokenness, and that's the gospel. And let's hold it right here for a second. This is where we get back into Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised us from the dead, that we will be saved. So it says this thing. It says we need to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Well, to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, we have to actually believe all these other things. See, God, Christ's resurrection, when Jesus rose from the grave, that was the defining moment, the defining act in all that Jesus was. It was God's stamp of approval that, yes, this is my Messiah. Yes, his words are true. Yes, he died for the sins of the world. Indeed, the words that John had for Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world were shown to be true in the resurrected Jesus. And so when scripture says that we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we are believing everything on here is true. That there is a God, that we have sinned against that God, and we needed saving. And that Jesus lived the perfect life to die in our place. And they rose from the grave three days later to defeat death and sin in the grave. But there's a second part. And really, as we look at verse 9, it's actually the first part that says that we confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. The gospel message always, always, always calls for the hearer to respond. We believe and then we respond. We cry out that Jesus is the Lord. The word Lord meaning both master and God. That Jesus is our master, that we will follow him and that we believe that he is God the Son. 
But he is indeed the Emmanuel, God with us. Something we need to understand is that you don't have salvation apart from a response. And that if you hear it over and over and over again and go through your whole life saying, oh, that's interesting. Hey, that's really cool. Hey, that's kind of neat. But you never respond. You remain in your sin. But the gospel is abundantly clear that we are called to respond. We see in our uh, circles here that statement that we are to repent and believe. And, and really, the, the, the term repent and the term to, to confess Jesus as Lord are, are, are really two sides of the same coin. Because what we see happening here is that as we repent or we turn away from our sin and our brokenness, we in turn turn to the Lord to follow Him. So indeed, as Romans 10, 9 says that we have to believe and confess Jesus as Lord, it means the same as to believe and repent from sin. Now, I want you to hear this very clearly today. 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we go on to verse 10. It makes it clear that it is our faith that makes us righteous or in right standing before God. And it is our profession that saves us. There is no other criteria. There is no other caveat. There is nothing else that has to be added to this good news to actually make it good news. There is no baptism. There is no sacraments. There is no dress code. There is no specific membership. There is no economy. No giving of things. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And there is nothing else. This means that the good news is good news for everyone who hears it, who believes it, and who calls on the name of the Lord. It is for this very reason that he says that there is no, no um, distinction between Drew, Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on his name. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic class. I don't even care who you voted for. If you will cry out to the name of the Lord, if you will believe and confess Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. So as we zoom in, in our neighbors and in our community, let's get this message right. Let's make sure that this message gets out. Let's say it loud and clear and let us see people get saved. 
And maybe that needs to start with you. As you look at this circle today, we have kind of taken you all the way to to where that gospel is. And we've said that in order to be saved from your brokenness, you need to repent and believe that you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, turn away from sin and turn to Jesus. And it is only through the gospel that we are able to recover and pursue God's design for our life. Where are you at in this picture? Are you still trapped in your brokenness? Hoping to get out of it maybe by attending church on Sunday. Maybe even putting a little money in the offering plate. Are you hoping to get out of your brokenness through your work or your school? Through money or friends? but you know you're still there. What's stopping you? What is stopping you from repenting? What is stopping you from believing? What is stopping you from calling out and confessing Jesus is Lord? If you haven't done so, if you haven't done so, we invite you to do that today. We will close our service today with a time of invitation and we would invite you to come and to talk with me. I want to share with you just a little bit more and give you an opportunity to just pray to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. But you don't have to do it with me up front. You can do it right now. You can do it over lunch with your friend or your family afterwards. You can do it as God leads you to do it, but do it because there's no other way. I've got one more question for you. What is, presenting the, what is preventing the people in your life from doing this? If you're in their life, do they know this? Have they heard it? Don't let you be the reason why somebody doesn't know that they can be saved. Let's pray. Our gracious God and King, we come before you now and Lord, we we recognize that, that you have put us here in the Tunnel Hill area in Elizabethtown in Hardin County in Kentucky to make the good news of the gospel known, to make sure that your message is heard. God, we know that you've put us here to make your message heard because if people hear the message, then they may believe. And if they believe, they may call out on the name of of the Lord that they may confess Jesus as Lord. And if they confess Jesus as Lord, they will be saved. And God, you have called us to see people be saved and to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we will take our, our setness, our commission seriously. God, that we will not let other things become more important than this message. God, that our own busyness or even our own fear will not prevent us from making the gospel known. 
And that if there's one thing that people in our life know about us is that we love Jesus and we want other people to love him as well. God, I know for for some people in this room, that means starting with them right now. And Lord, it is my hope and my prayer that they would come before you, that they would recognize that you exist. Lord, that they are sinners who need saving and that you sent your only son to pay the price for their sins, to die on the cross and that he rose three days later. That they will believe that, that they will turn from their sin and follow Jesus and that they will be saved. God, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.